0: This is Mai i Kuruwaka, Stories of haputana. This podcast was produced by the Tauwada, with support from Nōku tao like Minds. Whakaitia te i te tāngata. Support include and empower our whānau experiencing mental health challenges during Haputanga. In this episode of Mai Kurawaka, Kuruwaka, Glenn Paul Wadu, my brother-in-law, sits down to talk to Simon Strickett, who is my brother. In their corridor, they talk about Fano sperm donation. They talk about the long journey Simon and his wife Tash went through to bring our nephew Lockie into the world, and they talk about the special role that Glenn played in helping it happen. So I hope that you enjoy.
1: Good day. I'm uh, Glenn Waru and I'm here with uh, my two brother-in-laws, Peter Van Kampen, and Simon Strickett. Little boys. Uh, Simon's joining us all the way from the Northern Territory, up in Nulamboy. Uh and Pete and I are sitting here in his lovely furry in Fungal uh, well, Wow, yeah. Oh, are we, is this not Fungal Paroa? Uh, oh, my bad. My, good to be not. Na- uh, it's good. My, my bad. No, it's good. <laughs> It's good. It's good to be corrected. I'm a big believer. I still get a bit embarrassed by it, though but I appreciate that you did that. Um, so uh, on our last podcast, Pete and I, we really had a conversation about all things kind of related to fatherhood. Pete's a new father, beautiful young girl, hewa. Um, I've got four children myself, and we kind of discussed really every kind of aspect about being Maori, about our examples of fatherhood that we had and our philosophies of fatherhood uh, into the future. But to, joining us today, we've got Simon uh, Strickett. So well, Brother-in-law, so I'm married to uh, Simon's sister, Ellie. Um, Pete is with Simon's sister, Lizzie. And um, yeah, so we are, you know, this is a, not just a, a conversation amongst men, but against brother, amongst brothers as well. Um, Simon, basically introduce yourself. Who are you? Where are you from? What you do?
2: Sure. So my name is Simon Strickett, born and raised reluctantly in Auckland.
1: Got to love Tamaki, bro. Got to love it. Nah. I don't do
2: <laughs> traffic lights. Um, yeah, don't do big cities. But got out of the city any chance I could. Finished my studies in New Zealand. Hightailed it out of there. Went to the Northern Territory. With the exception of a couple of years out of the NT, I've been, been here for nine years now. So my wife, born and raised here, and first and only son born born here as well. So just how everything sort of turns out. This is our home, at least for the time being. Yeah. So, like I said, um, first son, uh, Lachlan. He's um, he'd be almost 15 months now. He's just awesome. I'm sitting in my car and he's in the back seat having a having a snooze. It was a bit of a sleepless night, but now nah, everything's going going really well.
1: Um, Pete, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure, Peter Van Kempen,
3: uh to Me and yeah, tune into the other one if you the previous episode. Uh, if you want the full full breakdown.
1: And you're a father as well.
3: I'm a father as well. To uh four month old Hiwa Iterangi.
1: And I'm Glenn Powaru, um, father of uh five wonderful children. Um, my oldest is 19. And then I've got four children to my wife, ranging from 10 to the youngest. Nine, 10 months. Only born a few months after Lockie. So it was pretty cool in this family that there were four cousins all born within uh, one year, but, we're here, more specifically, to talk about Simon, your journey um, to become a father, because it wasn't wasn't smooth, was it? I don't know where we want to begin, but I guess it's yeah, your story. Yeah. So you you kind of talk us through it, and we'll we'll, we'll jump in and, and ask questions, and and as we go, yeah, sure,
2: yeah, we we do begin. Um, I suppose my wife and I we've been together for eight years, give or take, and it was pretty early on in the setting that we were keen to try and start a family of our own. And I really think we started talking about it probably two years into our relationship before we, we were even considering marriage. We were keen to just have some little rugrats running around. And as that sort of evolved, you, you start to loosen up the, you know, relax the the measures that you have in the bedroom to, to prevent children. Um <laughs> And I'm not entirely sure about how long it was, but I think it was probably about a year that we'd sort of been having um, unprotected sex and nothing had sort of come of it. And at the time we didn't, there was no stress involved. It was, we were just having fun. We were young and just rolling with it. Um, But we sort of got to that one year mark and we were like, oh, hold on, that's a bit unusual. Yeah. We went and saw a doctor about it, and the doctor just said everything in return. You're young. You're both really fit. Yeah, you, um, you know you you meet all the criteria for for having a healthy family. So keep going and keep doing what you're doing. Everything sounds perfect, and and so that was the feedback we had got at one year, and then another year had passed after that, and still nothing. And
1: okay, uh, so what did you do then?
2: Well, at that at that point, we were we were just really confused by now, and still there wasn't really any stress or any any sort of you know pressure or anything. Like I said, we were still young and just chipping away at it, and um and but nevertheless, we did realise that something wasn't right, and so I think if my memory is correct, we went and saw another doctor at that two year mark, and the doctor said, look. Exactly the same thing. The first doctor said, "You're still young. You're still really healthy. Let's go get my wife Tash. Let's go get her tested." And as far as I was concerned, I was doing doing my job right. You know, it, yeah. was, it was there was nothing nothing unusual to to suggest that there could be an issue. We were having having fun in the bedroom, and and there was nothing nothing unusual at all. And um, given that. I suppose the the limited knowledge I have about about you know producing kids, I thought that I was doing my job right and and I'm good and um, I think there's some statistics like ninety ninety five percent of fertility problems occur with the with the mum.
1: Yeah, and, then, and and even then the doctor said let's get her tested, but not you.
2: That's right, and and everything was just oh let's let's you know, give Tash blood tests, let's let's go get Tash looked at and, and um all of that. And then everything came back clear and we were just like, What's you know, what's going on? And it's so strange and it wasn't until by now and one of the hard things about living so remote, you know, we're a ten hour drive to, to the main city, is that we don't have that sort of medical support that that a lot of people have. So you know, to go see a specialist for something that is a six month wait or it is a one year one year wait. So by now it was sort of I'm guessing sort of three years had passed and we saw a specialist and it wasn't until I don't know how much detail I'm allowed to go in here, but I suppose you guys can cut out what you want. But No,
3: not go um, hard bro.
2: This is open. I, I um you know you they asked for a sample and they give you some magazines to look at, and um, and I did my job and and gave them the sample they were after, and then Tash and I went and went out and had had breakfast and started doing some shopping while we we're in the big city, and almost immediately, I think I think it was like an hour later, they called to say, "Oh, can you come in and give another sample?" And what
1: and was and what, and what was the results of that?
2: Yeah, well. They said, "Can you come in and give another sample?" Um, and I said, "Well, why? What's wrong with the one that I gave you this morning?" They just said, "There's there's volume, but there's nothing nothing of use. Like, there's no no swimmers. There was there was no swimmers in there. It was you know there was obviously the I think they they measure like the volume and the temperature and everything and everything matched up, but there was just no swimmers there. And and I was like, yeah, sure, like I'll I'll happily come back and provide another sample and I think we did, and it was the same result and that was just gut wrenching like i i yeah. um
1: what were you th- what 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 was your name they tell you it's you um, it's
2: yeah yeah well that was that was the hard part and and looking back the the, the doctor that told us she was a um she was a female and and, and um I think she's a really well respected the doctor and her you know in that sort of in that sort of field but for for me put it this way she was she was very blunt and it just she didn't yeah she didn't sort of break the news easily she she just she was like
1: she probably yeah, didn't we, have him you know, like that perspective of what it means for a man to be told.
2: Yeah. 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 well and and again like that that whole time, you know, for three years I'd been looking at Tash going going, you know, is it something you're eating? Is it something you're doing? Do you need to exercise more? And then for for me to to get the news that it it was with my body it was just just so strange, particularly because there was no no indicators or no signs that I was doing you know, that I wasn't I wasn't a hundred percent.
1: Yeah. How did that? So, how did that? Um, I know it's a pretty, it's a cliche, and I think we all kind of would understand it. But how does that affect that? I don't know manliness. You know what I mean that that yeah, sense of yeah. you know w- what? What did you feel then?
2: I so that those sort of thoughts go. Uh, well, they they went through my mind, and um, I don't know. Your mind just takes over, and it takes over, and like I'm, I'm, I've got four sisters and I'm the only boy. And so to sort of think about it, that my son, my, my dad's only son couldn't have kids of his own. That's, that's when it really, the emotional side of it started to come through. Yeah. And then, um, and then my mum passed away as well when I was um, a young fella and and then, so I started thinking, oh, you know, my mum's only boy can't have kids of his own as well, and oh, no. just that sort of thing. It, I, what? it's strange. It's did you strange, have anyone to uh, talk
1: to? Did you have any support?
2: Bro, not at all. And and I'm not. I I think I think in reality I did, but it, it certainly felt very lonely. And I've never been I've never been afraid to talk about it. And simply because th- those were the cards I was dealt. I, I couldn't change it. Though. No. Um, i sort of get back to the medical side of it. And so she broke the news, I broke the news to my dad. And then there was sort of an, um, between years three and four of trying to have kids, that's when I started to go through all the medical side of it. So like they cut me open to try and figure out what was going on. Um, a lot of blood tests. Medication, just that sort of shit. To,
1: and and, and uh, with, with these processes, you're just hoping for like a, a 1% chance.
2: That's right. Like just one. I just, I like when you give a sample, you're meant to have like a count in the millions, but in reality, all they need is like one or two and science will, will do the rest. They'll make it work. So through all these procedures, getting cut open and, and through all of that, you build yourself up and, because I think in that year I sort of had three or four different, different, I don't know, procedures events that, that could have led to, be, could, could, yeah, well, procedures in a way, they weren't all procedures, but like, you know, they'd, they'd try me on medication yeah. um, to see if that would work. They, I don't know, like blood tests to see what was actually, you know, what was wrong and, and then a couple of procedures and,
1: Things like that. So I, I remember. Yeah. I remember during this time, it was quite emotional, and, and I think you've always. I mean, we kind of joke about it, but I think as a family with you and your sisters, you guys are pretty good at talking about some pretty yeah. heavy stuff with each other. Oh, and definitely. so I think we were yeah. kind of aware of what you guys are going through yep. when, um, uh, what, when you're going through these procedures. or Like you say, you had four or five things through that one year. Is the ho- is, is there hope? Did you were you still holding on to hope or was that just course, did that hurt more or
2: no, definitely. That's the thing is that they build it up and they, they say, Look, these are the chances that you've got and the chances are still really high. They're like, you know, there's a fifty percent chance that during this procedure we'll find something for you. And through that whole year there was those events and each time I was expecting good news. I was like, "No, nah, there's got to be something good through this whole process. And each time, it was just nothing. There was just not a single thing. So the, the final procedure where they cut me open, they sort of simbed through everything. They stitched me up and... Um, I went back I recovered for a couple of days because it's it's horrific it's it's <laughs> the, the, the pain yeah. is, is phenomenal it's like they pretty much yeah.
1: turned turned your nuts inside out is
2: that right? Inside out yeah Yeah.
1: yeah. I, I think of it like you you, uh, you need that last bit of toothpaste out of the bottom so you cut the thing open yeah they yeah. scraped your shit
2: yeah that's yeah that's probably the analogy that you should use. it was just it was just I, I can recall the pain Oh. Um, I was ha- I was having a shower and the water was hitting my chest and then trickling down my chest and over that area and it was so sensitive. Like
1: oh my god! My so shower, not even like, like the just, water directly hitting—that's like just dripping off your chest. Just, off, off, off. It
2: wasn't dripping; it was trickling. It trickles because you've got no
1: hair on your stuff. chest. That's right—you're you're quite right. quite hairless. <laughs> yeah,
2: and um, and that was just excruciating. Holy like I hell. peeled over.
1: And that was Get the last and, and that was the last procedure
2: and and that was it i didn't I didn't want to um i think in reality they probably had they probably had a, some other things up their sleeve but as far as I was concerned that was that was my um my crack at it and um and the doctor after I'd sort of recovered and and i I was mobile by now she c- called me back into her clinic, and she said the results are in, and they're not what we wanted. And I just remember that so clearly. She just said, "There's, there's no chance of you ever being a biological father."
1: Oh.
2: And <laughs> when when you get told that as a bloke, and you actually like process it, it's just it's it's just a crazy th- thing to hear. Because I think I would have been probably thirty. Maybe twenty nine or thirty years old when I was told that, and so for for twenty nine years of my life, I'd expected to one day to have my own little kids running around and yeah, tall and lanky and freckly and you know all the all the characteristics that their that their dad would be and and um when when you're told that you won't be a biological father, it it was just gut wrenching because. It was so important for me to to have for my kids to have that connection to to yeah. my mum's land to to Northland to you know to be a Kiwi.
1: There's only what two of you like the stricket boys in that generation, is it right?
2: Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. You, are, you and you Nigel. There's only there's only um yeah me and my cousin and um I was struck off that that list when I was told that news, but the, the crazy thing in life is that you just, you still don't give up hope. And like I said, it was really important for me to, for my kids to have that connection to Northland and being a Taupuri boy, I, I, I just wanted, I wanted my my kids to, to have some sort of connection as well. And um, when when I sort of processed that part of it, it uh, uh, very quickly made me realise that it's not it's not the end of the world.
1: Okay, uh, okay. So, okay. so mm-hmm. you and Tash, this that you've got that, it's never going to happen news. Yeah. When does the conversation start about other options? When did that happen? Did it happen quickly or was there a time to forget about it or did it never stop? Yeah.
2: Good question. So I, I think I I think we had probably been talking about it for a, for a long time, I think probably from from day one when when we knew that something wasn't right, I think we were, we had probably looked at different options.
1: Because um, I imagine you were, cause there were that we sorry I, I imagine there were moments when you were still in that that this was a a a tash thing that you guys were talking about possible yep. surrogates and things like that, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. now and now, so you've you've you'd already breached that kind of option B or C or D, but now you're talking about in a, about for you. So what were you guys yeah. talking about? What were you guys? What were your options?
2: To be honest, I I can't quite remember. It's it's been a pretty big couple of years, and and I even um struggle to get my head around that that like I, I'm so close to to my boy in the back seat that yeah um, I love it that, that I struggle to even remember that that, that that was part of my life back then
1: yeah um, it was so, I, I remember so. us having conversations about it um for those listening I used to live in in Nulamboy where Simon was and I remember us having conversations and the connection you keep bringing up connection connection <laughs> connection yeah. and you were like and I remember talking to you about my um, relationship with my brother who's adopted yeah, and, yeah. Um, and other kind of Fangai relationships within our wider family and talking about, like, so when I mentioned that, I remember saying like me, and my, my brother is my brother. Um, I, you know, I, I love him like any brother could love any other brother, but he's not biologically my brother. Yeah, and I said yeah. that, that connection is there because, uh, and I, it was hard to put into words, but you're what you're saying is now that connection's there, isn't
2: it? Oh definitely like a hundred percent and it's uh, like I said it's hard to even think that he's he's not mine because i I just recognize him as as being mine and what's what's strange is that the advice that I was given from so many friends and and family members when we were going through this is, is I, I was really nervous that I wasn't going to have that connection that my wife would give birth and then I'd be like, I oh, you know, this this kid's got nothing to do with me. And it, it just wasn't the case at all. It was, it, it's just crazy. But so much advice I was given was, you know, I, I think you'll find that once the baby's out, you'll fall in love with it regardless. And I remember thinking to everybody that gave me that advice Oh, well, that's easy for you to say because you've got kids of your own. Yeah, I was so I was so nervous that I wasn't going to have that connection,
1: which is a, which is completely valid. Yeah, yeah, well, absolutely. Because because yeah. there's so much weight on this, like of being a man and, and planting that's your right. seed yeah. and yeah, all yeah, that exactly. Where we um, we. I mean, you know, we've talked about this because of your journey. That because of my work, I've seen so many so-called men who have planted their seed, not yep. not be men after the fact. And that's exactly. when it's most important. Yeah. Um, that's,
2: that, that's so. It, it's, it's funny that you bring that up because to me, it's oh, I, I couldn't I couldn't say any better. It's like a true reflection of of how a dad should be is. It isn't before what happens in the bedroom it's what happens nine months after that and keeps happening you know it's, yeah it's that it's it's building that next little human into into being a, an awesome human
3: yeah that um, impression and we've
2: we've got a long way long way to go but but yeah it's um it's a pretty pretty awesome journey so far
1: do you want to go back a bit and talk about how lucky came to be is that
2: yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> um,
1: this is where this is where shit gets real, people. This is yeah, family. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah, you, you, it's your story. Sorry. So I think I feel like you, you're the only one that can tell it. And one day, Lucky might be listening to this podcast, and it might be a big deal for yeah. him. You know? Yeah. Well, all right. Feel free to jump in if if, if you want to do. But yeah. um, <laughs> pretty much, as as Glenn said before,
2: he used to live in northern boy with with. His wife, my my sister, um, and literally
1: twenty meters apart, our houses were right. next
0: door.
2: And it's a big, it's a big enough town. Like there's there's three thousand people, but just the way that everything turned out, we were diagonally opposite each other, like neighbours. We could pass stuff in <laughs> yeah, yeah. the fence to each other, and it, it was just, it was just awesome. Such such a cool, I don't know.
1: To have it was and, and it was it was fantastic that our kids had auntie and uncle right next door too,
2: yeah, so given the news that um, we pretty much needed a sperm donor, and given my desire to have kids that that were connected to northland and, and Māori if, if if they could be, it was just hilarious that I had a perfect option next door and my and my brother in law so the, the other thing is that because of all, all the procedures we had had, we were just completely over IVF and yeah. all of the rest of it. We just wanted to try and still make it, you know, as as personal as, as possible, I suppose. Yeah. And um, we were so sick of clinics and doctors and inspections and bloody everything that we, we were like, well, let's just try and do it ourselves. And we did some research and, and – there's a a procedure called turkey basting which
1: um, which I think we can all imagine usually yeah yeah, that's right yeah and usually it's it's
2: it's the same sex like female and female couple use it and so the procedure is is pretty much you get your sperm donor to blow his load into a a sterilised glass that's you Glenn uh, glass jar and um (coughs) And then you've got, you know, assuming that it can be kept warm, you've got a couple of hours to use it, and then, yeah, you go and pass it on to the recipient. They do their thing. And, and so there was a, a hilarious couple of weeks that, and my sister and, gee, my brother-in-law is...
1: This is me, the yep.
2: The, the food is, yeah, as is, 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 the food is phenomenal, and, and so... Um, it wasn't unusual for them to walk food up the road for us for dinner or for breakfast or whatever and we'd have them around for All Blacks games and things like that. But it wasn't unusual to, to drop deliveries off. But the deliveries that were happening over this period inc- uh, included a, a sterilised nacho jar, I think it was. or
1: and we had the syringe. The syringe. The syringe. And, it was, yeah. a, and I couldn't... I was... I actually couldn't look at Tash yeah, during it for yeah. like a two-week period. I felt too um, nervous. So it was our, we were sending like our eight-year-old daughter up with a little paper bag with a syringe in it. She yeah, had no complete, idea what she was delivering. Oblivious. Yeah, yeah. absolutely oblivious. Um,
2: and and so, yeah, so G would do his thing at his house and then Tash and I would do our thing at her place just as luck would have it I think it worked first go.
1: even better than that we thought it didn't that work was first just go. crazy
2: because after that's right yeah, yeah and yeah, we, we thought yeah, there was a, a few indicators that suggested it, it had it hadn't worked but then yeah we waited and, and waited and waited for that time of the month to start for tash and it just never came and we were like <laughs> really after. You know, I think I think it was it had been five years by now since we had first wanted to have kids. It was five years, and it it worked first time after we, yeah, after we tried some convoluted method we read off the read off the internet. <laughs> so, I don't know. I just I still it just cracks me up to think that. Um, we
1: had such a know. small window of time. When you consider we only lived there yeah. for two years and it That's just happened, right. yeah. hap- and it happened, yeah.
2: But it's, it's just hilarious because Lachie's going to think one day that he arrived on a stalk and then I'll be like, no, nah, bro, you arrived in a nacho jar. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: <laughs> what were you going
3: to say,
2: know. Pete?
3: Yeah, I was just going to say, so it took like uh, five years to for um, that process to, um, I guess, End up in Lockie's conception. How was that first trimester? You know that twelve-week period where it's quite risky. Oh yeah, you can't um, tell anyone. Like, you know, yeah. How did the hell was yeah. that for you guys?
2: I, uh, I think um I think through that whole we would received so many setbacks and and I don't think we ever we ever thought that um we were out of out of it just yet. I think we were nervous for really the the full. The full nine months, even when the first twelve weeks we got through it, I still I still just remember thinking like, you know, oh, I was is is the heart still beating, is, is is Yeah. He or she still growing okay and it was just so nerve wracking.
1: Even I think even yeah. we felt that way as as the family members, you know, that we, right. that know the story, yeah. we were just waiting for another blow to you guys that you know, another yeah. another heartbreak. Yeah. Yeah, and then one day you're in labour.
2: Yeah, yeah. So the Wadu family were the first of the family members to to find out. Obviously, they they were in the in the process from the start. And, and um,
1: you have to give my my, my wife some credit here because you know how hard it was for her to keep that secret.
2: Oh, big time! Yeah, she's not she's not known for keeping secrets, but or at least I didn't think she was. But but we won on it because it was our journey, we wanted to be the ones that broke the news, so we obviously told the waters and, and, and kept them in the loop. And but yeah, it was, I was very clear that let us break the news. And,
1: and this is the first time we met Pete, was, too. It's definitely the first time, first time I met uh the whole whanau, I think the yeah. whole family was,
2: yeah, that's right, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so,
1: so, how did you break the news to and the yeah. family? So
2: this was pre-COVID times and we were allowed to travel. We, we planned a Christmas back in New Zealand. It was the first time that we had all been together, I don't know, probably a year or so, and which is a, a pretty special occasion in itself. But yeah, broke the broke the news by pretty much just getting the family together for a Christmas family photo and everyone was sitting down. And as far as what everyone was concerned, it was it was just, you know, photographs I was taking, but I actually recorded the full thing. And, and so it was, yeah, you know, one, two, three, cheese, and then another photo, one, two, three, Tash is pregnant. And then so just got to see everybody's reaction and it was just – it was awesome. It was just awesome. It was just went from people thinking that I was because
1: Yeah, people well, thought you yeah, played I mean, a mean yeah. joke. People thought you were being yeah. really mean.
2: A real a real arsehole. A
1: real arsehole. Um,
2: yeah. And you know, and, and that's that's fair enough. They knew our circumstances, but but yeah, so it went from that's not something you should joke about Simon to hold on. She she is pregnant, and then their mind started to go through. Well, how is she pregnant? And it just went from shock to just happiness to tears. It was just awesome. I,
1: I watched I watched that video. <laughs> Once every couple of months if i if I need to pick me up, I watch that yeah. that little three yeah. minute video and it is such a nice video. And and Pete, the face that you make. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is his first yeah. introduction to the family and this family photo he gets uh Tashi's pregnant and then the circumstances of how she was pregnant and there's a great Anthony Dixon Yeah. 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 I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um and so yeah, so so that was it. And and that was really the the last of it, I suppose. After that, we showed everyone the
1: sonograms was, and
2: yeah, sonogram or whatever. And and after that, it was just yeah, trying to get a little bubba into the world.
1: So during the pregnancy, so you know that twelve weeks is open. It's it's the news is out now, and you guys are having a baby. Well done. Did you? Feel I mean, me and Pete talked about this a bit too, like you kind of feel like you're really just the crew, pit crew for your wife or partner who's having the baby. You're the support. But for you, yeah. you're also going through this thing. You talk about connection. Did you feel connected to that baby then? No,
2: not, not at all. Like, you know, and, and I was still supporting my wife and, and trying to make her as comfortable as possible. Um, she's, pretty fearless we were out fishing and she was having contractions um and so like she yeah I don't know we sort of just kept kept living our life and and supporting her and I knew that she was pregnant but I still didn't I still just I suppose didn't think that it was mine I suppose I knew it was it was ours but I, I didn't recognize that it was
1: mine did you have some sort of like self conversation, you know, look yourself in the mirror and hey, you love Tash, <laughs> you're gonna, you know, do the best by this baby no matter what kind of thing? does does that um, seem ridiculous or
2: I I if I did I can't recall it, but I do I do just remember being so nervous that the bub would come along and I wouldn't want to try and help help us or help my wife or I was just so nervous, uh, and to be honest, I think probably a lot of impending fathers get this feeling, but it was just nervous that you're going to be uh, um, you know let, let down your family, I suppose when um, but,
1: So but when was, was the, a bit more pressure? When was the moment that you felt a connection, or when was the aha moment for you?
2: Yeah. So fast forward to the day that Tash goes onto labour, and it's the same day that the Black Caps are over in England playing the, <laughs> that's the World right. Cup, and we, the Black Caps, had sort of got through to the semi final against a huge favourite Indian team. They they were expected to win the competition and, and um and New Zealand ended up beating India and I was watching I had half an eye on the cricket game and, and the bug came out and then an hour later we won the cricket game and it was just
1: I love, this is, I love how that is just like a cherry on. I had a baby, but we yeah. won the cricket too. We won the cricket. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it was it was just a, it was just a crazy moment. I, I I never thought that I'd have you know my own little bubba um, next to me in a and like a best and and then I never thought that we would win the, you know <laughs> against India. It was just it was just a crazy day. Um, obviously very tired, but. Um,
1: and that's why he's called Lockie, isn't
2: it? Uh, that was part of it. Yeah, Lockie, Lockie Ferguson did really well that day. And, <laughs> and that, I always wanted a strong, strong, name. I didn't really care what, what it meant or what you know, yeah. the background was. I just wanted it to sound strong and for it to, you know... Yeah. The, the, the other family members know some of the other names I was, I was tossing around. And, and um, I think when I... Suggested Lockie. I think that
1: was better one out of all the rest. I suppose. Do do you? So obviously we 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 now. I mean, I know it. The connection is there now, isn't it?
2: Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt, it's um. You're his yeah. dad. Yeah, and,
1: and and I think we've talked about it. We even saw it when we were there when Lockie was still very young. People would say to you, "Oh, he takes after you, Simon." Or, "Oh, he." And we all had a bit of a smile on our face, but that's that uh, nurture is taking over the nature.
2: A little bit, so that it, it did happen early on. But now, and now I, th- I think it's probably something that we should talk about with us. But um, <coughs> there's no, there's no denying that biologically, where he comes from, like. He's got he's got the wadu ears and <laughs> the, the, the wadu square head, pumpkin head.
1: Which the, which suit which I got to be fair, it suits the stricket too. Yeah, that's true. You yeah, know, yeah, only yeah, only two yeah, families yeah. have got heads as you know as yeah. big as ours, and I, yeah, I was like, yeah. at least he's got a stricket sized head. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, but at the same time, he he does have multi features, and he does have you know olive skin, and so. There have been people that, when we're talking, and they try and very politely be like, "Geez, you didn't get a look in Strick or like,
1: "Cause, cause Tash, Tash is Filipino."
2: Tash is Filipino. Yeah, and, and but um, there's no doubting that that Lockie has got Maori features. You know, Maori features, I suppose. Yeah, um, and and me, I'm just a tall, lanky. White, white father like it's just the, I'm so pale the noodle you are the noodle the, no, the noodle yeah and um and so there's there's enough features enough different features between Lockie and I that that it's not hard for people to to pick up that there's something there and and I think through all of it I think that can be a little bit hard for Tash as well because oh. people don't people don't know the background to, you know, they they don't know even a little bit of the story, let alone the full story. Yeah. And so when they see that the father doesn't look like the son, I think that can make it hard sometimes. But at the same time, there's no, no denying that that connection is there. And the moment where that uh, was, uh, so it was obviously when he was born, but now when I come home from work and he just like lights up when he sees me and he runs towards me and he points to the sky and he goes, dad, 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 dad. And he just runs, runs as fast as he can towards me. And it's just such a cool feeling. I pick him up and he, he slumps into my into my shoulder and it's just, it's just awesome.
1: It's, it's such a cool feeling. Yeah, it's wonderful. Um, it is wonderful
2: it's it's strange to even think that I once doubted i wouldn't get that feeling i I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel that, yeah, yeah, but now it's yeah there's no no question, yeah,
1: and what are some of the uh, key things like you know i guess philosophies or or directions that you want to take as a father or what's maybe some of the things you want to instill in Lockie, or you know, what's the when you think of being a father or fatherhood? What's important to you?
2: Yeah, I don't know. Good, good question. But I suppose one thing is is just to have a good heart. You know, the um, people make mistakes in life, but if if your heart's in the right place, then I think you'll go a long way. And sorry, he's just woken up in the back seat and he's just glaring at me.
1: <laughs> feed um, me.
2: Feed me. Yeah. I'm going to hightail at home and hopefully he doesn't cry in the meantime. But, but yeah, I don't know. I'd, 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 I'd love for him to grow up. And Australia's, is – I personally think Australia is a little bit behind the ball with us. I find New Zealand's very, very open and, and welcoming to all cultures. Um, Australia's not quite there. Yeah,
3: yeah, especially rural Australia, I'd imagine. Yeah. Talk about connection quite a bit, I guess, and, and the importance of having that Māori – um, heritage for Lockie. How are you looking? Obviously, being in Northern Territory, how are you looking to, I guess, bring him in a, a, and have that um, that Malditanga influence on his on his upbringing.
1: I mean, we've never really discussed this either. Like, you know, yeah, my fucker papa. I don't. I don't. I kind of don't feel like because I I see Lockie as my nephew. With yeah, a special connection, yeah. I feel very honoured to be have been part of that journey. But he's just yeah. my, he's my nephew, and I love him. But yeah. so I don't know if that's my fucker papa or your te oh whakapapa. fucker papa.
2: Yeah, yeah. Why
1: could it not be both? And why could it not be both? Exactly.
2: Yeah, exactly, and that's that's something that I think we'd need to look at, you know, soon. But I, I do think we've got a couple of years at least, and we won't be travelling back to New Zealand anytime. I'm soon, given the the current circumstances, but when when the day comes, I'd I'd love for him to meet, you know, go to both my eyes and and, yeah. and meet meet the wider fan and and. Um,
1: well, with your sister Lizzie on the case, I think I, I think we've all than we're than going to be general. directed.
2: Um, <laughs> uh, oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, have you
1: guys dropped out again? No, I think you're you're dropping in a bit, in and out a bit. We, we can we can probably probably wrap it up. I, I would think. I think we're getting to. We've had a, I think a pretty good talk about it. A really in depth discussion, yeah. and I think it'd be yeah. interesting for our children to grow up and hear this one day, because that's yeah. something that I mean, like we've always said, that's totally your story, your journey. I wasn't even sure what we were going to talk about on today's podcast. How far you're willing to go, but yeah. um, yeah you you kind of always said that it's not something to be hidden or not something to, to to worry about. In fact, it's just what it is, and that's it. Move on.
2: Exactly. I, I, I can't say it any any better. better. Like it's, it's it's and it goes back to that. You know, should I be questioning my my manliness? But the reality is, is no, I shouldn't because this is how I was born. Like it was it was confirmed that I've had it. Um, you know. I've never, since, I've since your never
1: sisters hit you to... in the nuts with a cricket bat, pretty much. <laughs>
2: That's right. Yeah, and uh, so I don't know. Like it's just, it's
1: just. Um, well, here, here, here's a, here's an important question. I will and we'll probably end it with this one. I know it's a it's a toxic it's a toxic question to ask. There shouldn't be no quantification of it, but it's what we do. We we do worry about our manliness. Do you feel like a man now? Now that you're fathering Lockie in such a good way.
2: I never, I never didn't. I never didn't, but I think now it's just another dimension to being a man, I suppose. I, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I really, um, I don't know, I, I just got on with it when I was given that news, and yeah, I, I couldn't change it, and so you just get on with it and figure out plan B, and if plan B doesn't work, you figure out plan C, and we ended up getting to plan K, and plan K worked, and it's, it's just... It's just cool. He's just in the back seat now, and um, I don't know. It's just crazy how life can sort of unfold like that. But but yeah, you just keep rolling with it. So uh, just as much of a man now as I was, you know, yeah. five years ago. Not much. Yeah, yeah. But again, it's it's if we are going to wrap it up soon. It, you asked me earlier if I had the support that I wanted, and when. When it came to it, I I got the support that I needed. And that that was so much UG, but I had my cousin Tony down in in Sydney. He called me and he, he said, I'll support you in whatever way you need. I had my own dad call me and say, "You know, we're here for you and and whatever you need, it's
1: it's yours." So that support was definitely there. And then you had that, your, without a doubt, and you had all the nagging support from your sister too. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's yeah. no. You're never yeah, not so. going to get that support, even if you don't want it.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I knew I knew I could count on them, but it was sometimes you just want to talk to some of the bros, you know? Yeah. Yeah, um, sure. And um, and when I needed it, that that help was there. So I suppose if we are wrapping up, just thank you so much for oh no for for, for giving us Lockie and and for supporting us. You know to all the wider family. Just thank you. It's just been such an awesome journey.
3: I might just jump in. Can you hear me? All good. Can
2: you hear? Can you hear Pete?
3: Yeah, sweet. So
2: maybe maybe sit on Glenn's lap <laughs>
3: Uh, I think I just need to talk into the mic properly. Yeah, um, yep. What would your advice be to other potential or prospective fathers um, in the same position as you and Tash where at maybe year one or year two?
2: Yeah, um, I think regardless whether you know whether it's the the mum that's struggling to conceive or, or the dad that's um, not doing something right just be there for each other hang hang in there yeah just support each other like it's um really deep emotional days and uh, she's just been there through thick and thin crazy how you know through all the setbacks and she just keeps going well you know let's let's figure something else out then. And, and she just keeps looking up for it, I suppose. Um, she never gave up, not once. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, that, that's probably the advice I'd give is, is just keep supporting each other. And and if you, if you need to come up with some other other ways of approaching it, then, then do. And a lot of it, and we're still figuring it out now, you just sort of roll the punches and then um, hope what you're doing is right. So, yeah, that would be it. Hang
1: in there for each other. Beautiful. Beautiful. I think it's a lovely spot. Way to end it. Hey, bro. It's been really nice talking to you, man. Likewise. And uh, thanks for sharing. Pete, thanks for being here. It's been lovely. And uh, I know we've got to wait for this COVID-19 thing to pass, bro, but we do miss you heaps. Please come home. You'll love Northland. You'll love Northland.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. One day. One day. I want to hear Can that one day soon. What about commission for this podcast? Do I talk to Lizzie?
1: Or? It's, you, that's your sister, man. I've got nothing to do with that. <laughs> All right, bye. All right. We out. Cheers, boys. Be good. Give Lucky a big kiss and a cuddle from us. Say hi to Tash. We love you both.
0: Yeah,
3: bro. All right. See you, boys. See ya. This is my Ikurawaka
0: Stories of Haputanga. This podcast was produced by Hapai Tauwada with support from Norku Te like minds. Whakaitia te whakafiu i te tāngata. Support include and empower our whānau experiencing mental health challenges during haputanga.